This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Three, two, one. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. I see water treatment becoming more and more uh, something that consumers are looking for. So, um, and it's something that I think more well contractors are becoming involved in. So if you're a water treatment specialist, the, the best place to meet these well contractors is at the state association meetings. That's Margaret Martins, head of the Water Systems Council, talking about the importance of water treatment when it comes to private wells. And welcome to WQA Radio, the weekly podcast of the Water Quality Association, promoting better water quality around the world. This is episode number 306. If you're joining us for the first time or perhaps new to the industry, we're glad you're here. Be sure to subscribe to the WQA Radio podcast so you never miss a show. It's the magic of podcasting. And be sure to share the podcast with someone you know. We're publishing this on February 15th of 2023, and you can find us at wqa.org, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And in this episode, we're joined by Margaret Martens, Executive Director of the Water Systems Council, which works on behalf of well drillers and others in the water well industry. Margaret talks about their programs and policy initiatives, as well as common points of interest with the water treatment industry. Plus, we'll have our WQA Motivational Minute and WQA Tip. Now on to Margaret Martens on WQA Radio. And we welcome Margaret Martens to the WQA Radio podcast. Margaret is Executive Director of the Water Systems Council. And that's an organization that works on behalf of Americans who use well water to make sure that they have safe, reliable drinking water. There's a whole lot more to it. We'll get, we'll get a lot of that from, uh, from Margaret. So first of all, Margaret, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, Wes. Appreciate it. Yeah, why don't you tell us a little more about the Water Systems Council and uh, how long you've been around and what you do? Well, that's a very good question because we are actually celebrating our 90th year of being an association. Um, Water Systems Council was actually formed uh, along with the um, utility companies at the time in the 30s. They were trying to bring electricity to the um, rural areas of the country, to the farms, et cetera. And so they thought the best way, of course, to do that would be to partner with the pump companies to uh, get that going. And it was a great success. Um, so that we that was the origination of Water Systems Council. Uh, what we've really uh, developed into is we are the trade association for the water well industry. Uh, so we, our members are the major manufacturers of the products that go into wells, uh, the, the distributors of those products, as well as uh, well contractors and associations such as WQA. And um, also, this, uh, we have quite a few uh, state groundwater associations as members. And as you said, our, our um, mission is to promote and protect uh, well water systems. So that's what we do. We do a lot of education. Um, uh, we create standards. And certainly, we work on government relations to make sure that everyone has um, the right to have a well. 
Yeah, it sounds very familiar in terms of the language you're using uh, when it comes to water treatment. And as you indicated, there's a lot of overlap there between our members and members on the Water Systems Council or those who are part of the Water Systems Council network, you might say. So it, it really is great to catch up with you and uh, find those points of commonality and find those points where we can work together. So um, now I understand you have a couple of things that are from a, a user or a consumer standpoint. There's a well care hotline and there's also um, the well or the water well trust. Tell us about those. Okay. So the well care hotline has been in existence since 2003. Um, and our uh, supervisor, that hotline, Charlene Bean, has been with the hotline all those many years. Um, and so it is supported by funding from EPA. Um, so if someone is to contact EPA and they're having issues with their well water, they are uh, sent to the, our well care hotline. Uh, we have several experts uh, who answer the phones. Uh, they can um, do it via phone, via chat, via email. Uh, they're very quick at turning around and uh, getting answers to these folks. It's mostly private well owners, like I say, but there's also, you know, government officials that call um, and, you know, various, um, even people on public water sometimes. But most of the calls are from private well owners. And you'll be interested to know that about 70% of those calls are about water quality and water treatment. Very interesting. So uh, you're uh, the hotline uh, helpers, what are they called again? The, the folks who answer the calls? The well care supervisors. Okay. Yep. And, mm -hmm. and so they're, they're um, informing, they're answering questions and they're making, right. uh, they're uh, connecting them to resources, that sort of thing. Exactly. You know, the Water Systems Council has over 110 information sheets for private well owners um, that we put them, if they've got a particular contaminant that they're dealing with in their well, they want to know how to treat it, that type of thing. So we've got all sorts of resources for um, private well owners on our website. Um, and we also have uh, what we call our Well Owners Network, which is a uh, network of, of over 12,000 private well owners. Uh, we sign up these some of these people when they call the hotline. They receive a quarterly newsletter about how to maintain their wells. It's a seasonal, you know, what to do in the winter as opposed to what you should be looking for in the spring type of thing. So a lot of good information sent to them on a quarterly basis, as well as uh, we have a relationship with a testing lab, because, of course, we always try to get people to test their wells every year. And so we offer uh, discounts on test kits to our Well Owners Network members. And there's no cost to being a member. We just like to, like I say, we like well owners to know how to properly maintain their wells. And then what about the Water Well Trust? Well, the the Water Well Trust is the nonprofit that the Water Systems Council developed uh, starting back in 2010. Um, we realized, our members realized that there were a lot of wonderful organizations that were going to other countries and helping people who did not have access to water by providing wells. But no one was doing it on a national basis here in the United States. And the sad fact is there's over 2 million Americans who are living without access to safe water in their homes. Um, so we started off with a, and, and it actually connects quite well. Our first um, uh, project was uh, when we got a call from a woman in Northwest Arkansas um, to our hotline. And Charlene reached out to me because she knew we were working on this pilot project. And she said, I think I've got your first project. 
there's a wonderful woman named Marge Frazee who um, she and her neighbors were in an outlying area of a, a local town and they had been promised that the water lines would come out to them and they never did. It was going to cost over a million dollars to get water lines run out to this remote area and they couldn't afford to absorb that cost. Um, so she and her neighbors, she reached out to us on behalf of her, her, herself and her neighbors. She actually got our information when she contacted Senator Bozeman's office. Um, he was her senator, and so she asked for help, and he, uh, his staff knew about our hotline and so directed her to us. Um, since then, Senator Bozeman has been a, a champion with Water Systems Council. We actually gave him a Legislator of the Year award this year. Mm. So he, he works, uh, he's like a ranking on uh, the Ag Committee and appropriations and all those important things. So he's a really important ally for the Water Well Trust and the Water Systems Council. Um, since that initial project, the uh, Water Well Trust has drilled over 400 wells. And we've spent, I think, over three and a half million dollars that all this money has gone directly back into the water well industry. It's money that we spent, you know, um, paying contractors for their work. Um, it's gotten to a point now where, Wes, we get over 13 requests. We average about 13 requests a day for help. Uh, our major funder is through USDA. They have a decentralized water uh, systems grant program that we always knew existed. So we kind of targeted our program so that we could be in line with what they were looking for. Um, this year, we got a $1.5 million grant. Um, so we've up to that kind of level of funding. And our $1.4 million grant that we got last year in October, we have already spent all that money. And with all those requests coming in, how are you determining which ones are the most important to work on? There is criteria that they have to fit into. There's an income criteria. It's 60% of the area non-metropolitan area median income for the state. Um, they have to own the property. I mean, it doesn't have to be paid off, but it has to be an owner-occupied property. They cannot have access to public water. Um, they must have plumbing in their home. It must be a permanent structure on the property, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, we ask for proof of income and, you know, a copy of the deed, that kind of thing. The application process is not complicated. We intentionally tried to streamline it and make it as easy and uh, user-friendly as possible. And we're able to turn those applications, as long as they get their application in and they have all the documents that we've asked them to submit, we can turn those around in a matter of days. Oh, wow. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Well, it's great to know that this work is being done. Now, I, I, yeah. I did want to back up and probably should have asked this earlier, but can you give us a, a high-level overview of well water usage in the U.S. and, and uh, how, how you see things going in the next 10 years? I assume it's growing, but I don't know. It is growing tremendously. Um, it started, you know, during the pandemic, of course, first of all, we, we made sure that um, the water well industry was recognized as a vital industry, you know, so that they could continue their work and not have to shut down kind of thing. Um, but what we found was during 2020 and 2021 um, that there was a boom in the water well industry. The contractors now are booked out six months, wow. eight months. It's incredible. And that's that's something that we deal with uh, all the time with the water well trust because we're trying to get these wells drilled within a certain parameter of time. And so it, it makes it a little more challenging these days for the trust. But for our members of Water Systems Council, 
it is certainly a fantastic time for our industry. Um, I want to talk about our state of the industry report that we do, but um, what that report has shown us was that um, we did our first state of the industry survey and report last year. And one of the three top positive factors that um, contractors and suppliers identified as being a reason that the industry is doing so well is urban flight. That we found that there was there was a big mitigation of populations. Um, I have a member who also did a study at the time about population movement, and that study showed that people were moving off the heavily you know populated coasts east and west, and moving more in into the interior of the United States. So um, the home starts was another very positive factor that people named in our survey as as far as uh, why our industry is doing so well. But it is, you've got um, just a huge growth period right now. And there's, um, you know, they're faced, of course, at this time, like a lot of industries have been with, um, you know, challenges of product availability, although that's gotten better. But we all know that during the pandemic, that really spurred um, a lot of problems with product availability. So, Well, we kind of referred to this earlier, and it might seem obvious, but where's the overlap with WQA? How, how do our members assist yours uh, and perhaps even some of your customers? And where would you feel as though uh, we could maybe even do more? Well, one of the exciting things I think that's come about this year that we certainly have been collaborating on is the Healthy H2O Act. Um, that, that act that is trying to get um, funding for um, water treatment for, for individual households, I think is extremely important. It would be funding that the Water Well Trust would in turn go after so that we could supply treatment. I just got an email from a woman today saying she doesn't need to, she has a well, she needs treatment. Hmm. And unfortunately, with our USDA monies, if it's just a standalone treatment situation, we can't put our funds towards that. So this would fill a huge gap for us as an organization where we would have funding where we could help people like this woman, Melissa, who reached out to us just today asking for treatment. So uh, we had um, gone up on the hill, um, I think it was a couple of years ago with Josh Green calling on USDA and trying to get an idea of how we could start getting funding from USDA for water treatment uh, for private individuals. And um, so I'm really excited to see, I know you guys have worked really hard to get it introduced into the House and Senate, and we're really looking forward to seeing that become law. So um, things like that. Um, and of course, we also, with our uh, well care hotline, like I said, 70% of the calls about treatment, uh, water quality and treatment. I can't tell you how many times we uh, tell people to go to the WQA website to find a water treatment specialist. Uh, we have, you can look at those 110 information sheets. I bet at least half of them have a link to WQA uh, because they're talking about water quality and you guys are the experts in that field. And so we do uh, practice a lot of overlap. We uh, like to share information. Eric Yegi was just at our uh, fall meeting. Um, and so um, we, we really do enjoy a, a really nice collaboration between the two. Well, that's fantastic. Good to hear. We appreciate uh, all that you do to refer business uh, to our members. That's fantastic. And then you mentioned Washington and the Healthy H2O Act and the collaboration that uh, the two organizations have had on that, along with others. 
where else are your focus or, or is your focus these days uh, when it comes to legislative issues? We've got we've got a lot going on, a lot of really wonderful things that have happened in the last year. Um, the first one was the introduction, uh, the passage of the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Uh, that is going to be pouring $55 billion into the water world over the next five years. And it targets small and disadvantaged communities. And 49% of those monies have to go as, as grants to the small and disadvantaged communities. And many times these small communities do use wells and well systems for the delivery of their safe water to uh, their residents. So we're really excited about the huge influx of federal funds into the water sphere over the next five years. And then there was the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act recently, and that is got in it $369 billion for energy efficiency. And of course, pumps are a huge user of energy in this country. So um, there's $9 billion in there for uh, home energy rebates, which could include, of course, installing new high, efficient, high efficiency pumps. Um, there is $20 billion in there for um, smart ag programs, including looking for, you know, things into irrigation using replacing older pumps with more efficient ones. So and there's tax credits in there for heat pumps and things like that. So those two new laws really have a lot of wonderful things in there for the water world and for our members at Water Systems Council. Um, we also are looking at the farm bill. It's coming up for, uh, uh, you know, passage again in 2023. That's where um, the USDA funds are um, allocated. And so we, of course, always are um, advocating for more funding for the training uh, for the uh, decentralized water program that, that Water Well Trust gets their monies from. And then we also advocate for the EPA program that supports the well care hotline. It's training and technical assistance through EPA for private well owners. So we're always um, making sure that those programs are robustly funded. Um, but the other thing that we're really keeping an eye out um, is um, some things that are going on in the Supreme Court, uh, namely the Sackett versus EPA case. Um, it's another really important um, Waters of the U.S. case. Um, our uh, legal advisor, Jesse Richardson, is just ecstatic when these <laughs> things come to the Supreme Court. And it's, it's a really important case. It's been in the Supreme Court before. And basically, it's talking about what is and what is not Waters of the U.S. And of course, this is extremely important to the groundwater industry uh, because, it, it, you know, if, if groundwater was to be considered waters of the U.S., then you would have to get a permit, you know, a special permit every time, you know, you, you did a well or you did uh, any work on the well or you did a septic. I mean, obviously, most states you have to get a permit when you're doing a well, but this would be much more complicated EPA permitting system. So um, we really have been watching that closely. It has been uh, heard by the Supreme Court, but we're waiting for the decision. Because uh, we're always just trying to make sure, like I said in the beginning, that people have a right to access the groundwater underneath their property to provide safe drinking water for their, themselves and their families through the use of private wells. And this could affect, um, you know, um, 
those particular rights. So we're watching it very closely and um, are anxious to hear the decision. I think it'll be early 2023. So, and there are other cases, you know, uh, Jesse also obviously works um, at the state level too, uh, trying to protect uh, water rights and um, against mandatory connections in many places. So we're, we're always, uh, per, I, he sends me about five emails a day about different uh, water legal things that are going on, you know, so, and there is, as you know, so much going on these days. Well, it sounds like 2023 is going to be a very busy year. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, and like I said, I'm really excited. Um, just, we are um, getting ready to uh, do our second annual state of the water well industry survey um, that we will then create a, a new report of 2023 state of the U.S. water well industry. And um, it'll be great because we did this for the first time last year. So this being the second year, we'll be able to identify trends and see where things have changed and where they've stayed the same. Um, you know, last year we had 831 people participate in our survey, and that included 593 contractors. Um, so we really got an idea of things like the average contractor has 13 employees and 1.9 million in sales, that kind of thing. Um, their chief concerns at the time, again, was product availability, inflation, and workforce availability. So um, we're excited to roll this out and um, have people participate in the survey so we can once again get that report out in early 2023. Yeah, and again, it sounds like some overlapping with what the kinds of things we hear for our industry as well. So um, just kind of maybe one of the final questions here, Margaret, what advice would you give to a water treatment dealer who wants to be better connected to well drillers or contractors in his area? I would say, okay, maybe they look at uh, becoming involved in the local groundwater association, in the local state groundwater association, because that's where the contractors meet and greet and talk and, and um, have educational sessions. I will say this, um, it, I see water treatment becoming more and more uh, something that consumers are looking for. So, um, and it's something that I think more well contractors are becoming involved in. So if you're a water treatment specialist, the, the best place to meet these well contractors is at the state association meetings, uh, maybe, uh, maybe um, volunteer to do a presentation on water treatment. Um, you know, we all know the PFAS is gonna become more and more of a, uh, of a situation that needs to be dealt with in our country. Um, we want to make sure that people understand that if they have PFOS in their well, it does not mean they need to hook up to public water. You know, the public water could have PFOS in it just like your well. So you need to learn that there are treatment systems available for that type of thing. So I would, I think, you know, getting involved with the Groundwater Association um, in your area is probably the best opportunity to meet a lot of well contractors. Right. And how can anybody who's listening to this reach out to you for more information at the uh, Water Systems Council? You can just go to our website, watersystemscouncil.org, um, and contact information is there. Um, my email is um, mmartens at watersystemscouncil.org. And our phone number is 202-625-4387. 
So um, e email me, call me. Um, I, I, as you can tell, I love to talk about the water world. Um, so I'd be happy to speak with any of your members. All right, Margaret, yeah. thank you so much. Margaret Martens, Executive Director of the Water Systems Council. Always a great time to talk to you because there's, I'm always learning something and there's always so much going on. We're very appreciative of you and, uh, and what you and your uh, board and, and uh, members are doing. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. And now our WQA Motivational Minute, the value of change. How do we create a better tomorrow? Well, in one word, it's change. Now, what's the one thing most of us dread? It's change. Now, there's a problem, isn't there? One way around this is to change our perspective about change. Instead of change being something to avoid, how about it's something to embrace? If we see change for what it is, a natural progression of ideas and action steps, then we can see that change becomes an opportunity to improve, to make something better, to get to that next level. And that's where leading change comes into play. Determine the change you want, and then make it happen, step by step. And we see that each day, we can take a step closer to the change we seek. And now our WQA tip. You've probably heard the expression, it's time to start working on your business, not just in your business. Well, how do you do that? How do you really take time out, take time to step aside, and Look at what you're doing to get better, to improve your business, to improve your bottom line, to improve your, uh, your productivity. Well, you do it by things like the WQA Business Boot Camp. And we're excited because boot camp is again going to take place one day before the WQA convention and exposition. So mark it on your calendars, April 17th, 2023. That's a full-day WQA business boot camp intensive training, primarily for dealers, but really we, we welcome everybody. Uh, join us in Las Vegas, again, one day before the WQA convention begins. So join us on April 17th. Go to wqa.org convention to see more about the convention and be ready to join us for WQA business boot camp. We look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, a podcast of the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on most popular podcast apps. Learn more about water at WQA.org and, of course, learn about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at WQA.org. This is Wes Bleed, so long from WQA Radio.